Greetings, Carl here. So at Behavior Gap, we have this operating manual that we call the code. <laughs> and it contains sort of all the secrets for how we, how we work. Um, it, it's a series of relatively simple statements and then some explanations around the statements. Some of them are technical in nature, right? Like how we use Trello for example, um, how we respond to email, some things about how we write, you know, all, 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 all sorts of things. But then there's a whole bunch that I really love that are almost philosophical statements about how we, how we treat people and how we operate. You know, they're around, you know, our, you know, like, for example, one of them is we don't, this is not an emergency department, not an emergency room, right? Like, if, if we have to do something urgently, we've done something wrong, and we'll get it done, and then we'll look back at it and go, hey, what did we miss here? Because we don't, we don't operate under urgency. We don't use language like, I'm running around with my hair on fire, or I've been so busy. We, we, we just try to, try to not operate that way. We want a calm company, as Jason Freed at 37 Signals, or at Basecamp, sorry, says. But one of them, which is what I want to talk about today, is... We are generous in our assumptions. That's the statement. We are generous in our assumptions. And what it means is we're generous in our assumptions about other people's intent. And this applies especially to coworkers, you know, people we're working with, you know, on a daily basis. We've got to be generous in our assumptions. We do a lot of asynchronous work because of various time zones and that work often requires text-based communication and one thing you have got to be really clear about when it comes to text-based communication is it lacks emotional nuance right or emotional context that's why emojis were (laughs) first introduced was to try and provide some emotional context and humans aren't we aren't particularly good like we're missing you know if you just move one layer up we're missing all the nuance we can capture from a voice and then even more powerfully all the nuance we can capture from facial expressions which we could do on video and then even more powerfully than that all the nuance we can capture sitting face to face with the feeling that comes right So it's so easy to misinterpret someone's intention in text-based communication, right? And, you know, your team, coworkers, vendors, people who work with you, and then particularly when you get outside of that to customers or clients, and obviously this applies, you know, maybe 10 times to family members and friends, and I'm sure you can think of examples. I, I literally can think of hundreds of examples, hundreds of times where I've misinterpreted somebody's intent and clearly can think of times when my intent has been misinterpreted. Let me give you one example. I was working with a really awesome artist and illustrator and author who I'm just going to call Jason. And... We did a little work together that involved like a couple emails back and forth. 
through a large media company. That's how we got introduced. Now I have this sort of problem that I assume that anybody who even says hi to me is my best friend, <laughs> right? If we've emailed back and forth, I'll say, I, I've got this friend in California, right? And, um, and, and I did that with Jason. And what happens is I, I, I um, sort of transpose 10 years worth of inside jokes and nuance into a relationship that may be only one email long, right? <laughs> and that obviously opens my, I open myself up for misinterpretation all the time. So Jason and I had had some very professional interaction through a large media company. And then we were interacting for the first time sort of outside of the bounds of that. It was maybe like the third or fourth time we'd email each other. And I said, yo, Jason. <laughs> and then started my email and he replied and just simply said, did you just say yo? Question mark. And I, I, I thought, man, oh, geez. I replied and said, no, is that, is that wrong? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, and I explained, like, I, you know, I have this habit of just treating people like they're good friends from interaction one. And I, I did that. I'm, I'm sorry. We, I sh- you know, and, and so that's an example of two things. One. Uh, it took a couple of weeks for Jason to actually reply to me. I don't know. So there's a bunch of things going on, right? There's like me interpreting intent. One, there's like triple intention here, right? Like first, it, Jason had every right in the world to say, "Did you did you just say yo to me?" And like <laughs> we just we just met each other. He had every right in the world, but he could have been generous in his intent and could have thought this isn't Carl being, you know, sort of sloppy or, or unprofessional. This is Carl just being really friendly. Like he could have, and I, I, I'm not actually blaming him for it because I think he was completely right, but he could have, right? Then when he replied and said, did you just say, yo, I could have been generous in my intent and just thought, oh, maybe I crossed the line here and, and, um, you know, Jason's just asking for clarification. And then when I replied to him and said, hey, I'm sorry, and he didn't, he didn't reply for like three weeks, my, my assumption there could have very easily just been, oh, he's busy. Instead of like stewing over, over whether, or not, um, whether or not he was upset at me. You, you see what I'm saying? So there's all this sort of layers of intent. And I could point literally to hundreds of examples where... You can get mad about, and the reason I'm actually thinking about this is I'm dealing with one right now where somebody sent an email about a speaking engagement that I, I didn't really, I, I'm not sure what to make of the email. There's, there's, a, there's at least a couple different stories in the email. One of them, I can be generous in my assumptions and just assume the best, assume they meant it this way, Right? And the other, I could be mad for weeks. And I try really hard. I'm not always, as, as, as the example I've given you shows, I'm not always, I'm not, I don't always get it right. Not even close. But we try really hard. In fact, it's part of the code at Behavior Gap to be generous in our assumptions. Let me give you one last example. Um, people use the sketches all the time. And um, the sketches are covered under a, 
uh, Creative Commons license that all the license requires is that you give some attribution. That's it. Like you can rework. Like if, if you buy the... If you buy the license to one of the sketches, you can redraw it in your own handwriting. You can change it. You can have your graphic designer make it graphic instead of hand-drawn. You, know, you, you can print it on anything. You can put it on a billboard like I've seen in Texas. You can put it on T-shirts. You can do anything. All the license says is provide attribution. And, and attribution is really simple. You just leave Behavior Gap on the image. Or you can provide attribution any way you want, right? Like that, that, that's it. And occasionally we see people using the image without any attribution. Actually, it's, it's I don't know that it, it, yeah, it's pretty close to daily. Like somebody sends a note saying, hey, did you see this? And it's got no attribution. One of them was pretty prominent um, in a, a giant newspaper recently. Somebody had a focus, the, the image that, you know, it's probably my most well-known image, printed up on their wall and it had no attribution on it at all, right? And then it was featured in a newspaper, a big newspaper, that also provided no attribution. And, you know, that, that hits home. Like, we've, I've been so, I've been, I've tried so hard to make it so easy for people to use these, right? So I immediately went down a rabbit hole. Like, oh, I can't believe. And in fact, people emailed me and said, Carl, can you believe this guy stole your image? Okay, now we immediately have to say, wait a second, what would be the generous assumption about this? There's a whole bunch of stories that we could come up with that would be really generous. There's a bunch of plausible ways that this person could have ended up with this print on their wall with no attribution from me. A bunch, right? Like early on, we we made them available for free. Or, you know, I... I'm very liberal when people email me and say, I really want to use this image. We used to just send it, oh, here, use it, right? Um, a, a friend could have given it to them. They could have seen it on somebody else's website who didn't provide attribution. There's a, there's a million plausible stories behind this that are generous in our assumptions. And I wrote a couple of emails that I didn't send because I have a rule against this that were not generous. It were just simply like, hey, you know, you, it would have been nice to provide attribution. That's like my, that's kind of my level of not generous is, hey, it would have been nice. And I didn't send them. And then after thinking about it, I was like, wait, let's send the generous assumption email and say, man, thanks so much for having that up on my wall, up on your wall. And the story in the newspaper about how it's made a difference in people's lives means so much to me. Thank you. Let's get you, let's get you a proper one right? So that to me is a, a really important part of the, of the code, right? Be generous in our assumptions with other people. And obviously occasionally we're going to be wrong, but I'd rather walk through life being generous in my assumptions. And, and as you can tell, it's a practice, right? It, it takes work. I'd rather walk through life being generous in my assumptions and occasionally be wrong than the alternative, Cool. I hope you have an awesome day and uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.